Anita. So there we have that um, special day when the gift of the Holy Spirit given. And uh, many people, as they kind of, as Peter was speaking about it, came to say, yeah, this is, this is something that we want to connect with. We understand what Jesus has done for us. They're cut to the heart. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is the one uh, that changes us from the inside out and he comes to dwell in our life as we trust in Jesus. And, um, you know, the series that we've been doing in The Good and Beautiful Life, obviously it was prior to this event, but Jesus is uh, in the Sermon of the Mount, he's speaking about exactly what happened on that day. The sense that people um, needed to turn around and keep their eyes on his kingdom work, what he was achieving in the world. And he did that proclaiming the good news of the kingdom uh, wherever he was in the, in the lead up to this sermon. He's healing every disease and sickness among people. Large crowds were following him. And he kind of said, you know, you're invited to the kingdom. He invited, he sort of widened the amount of people who could be considered to join the kingdom. You know, if people was like, well, actually it's a small group. Well, it's not a small group, it's a large group, but it feels narrow to enter the kingdom because of what the basis of it is that it is to enter. Because what did he say? He actually wanted to, our righteousness must surpass those of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are meant to be like the perfect ones. You've got to be more perfect than them. So that's the narrow part of it, but it's open to all people who would trust in Jesus that he, and then as a result of his Holy Spirit coming, empowers people to live this good and beautiful life. So in all the things that I've been talking about and we've been touching on in this series, they're aspirational. We want to be looking towards living that kind of life, but we only do it by the power of the Spirit. I'm going to show you this uh, story that uh, a gentleman called James Bryan Smith, he, he speaks of a friend, his friend Mark came to him one day, approached him for some advice. He'd noticed that, um, Mark had noticed one of his friends was treating his girlfriend really badly. He was sort of dismissing her and neglecting her and he was always about what he wanted to do and not what she wanted to do. But he also had this intention, you know, he did love her and he was going to ask her to marry him. And this friend, Mark, he was like, whoa, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right what's going on there. And he felt the need to approach him. But he wanted to ask James's advice. You know, it's kind of got two ways in my mind how I want to approach this. Um, I want you to think, which one should I do? So the first one I've got is I want to confront him. I've got a list of all the times that I've noticed when he did the wrong things and that kind of thing. So I was going to basically put that list in front of him. Um, you know, is that a good option? Uh, the second one is I, I thought I've, I've read in the Bible somewhere that you meant to sort of take a friend uh, who's also um, kind of seen the same things and we can go together. You know, two, it's, it's better to be that kind of witness and um, share it with them. So which one should I choose to do? And James's answer was neither. Um, and he asked Mark, have you ever been confronted like that? Has someone brought you a list or brought a friend to your house to kind of share, I think you're doing the wrong thing? And he's like, well, yeah, I was in a Bible study once and um, a guy who was there, so I think he was a leader, and 
he said to me, I've noticed you've been going to nightclubs on the weekend and he confronted me about it and he, he even questioned my salvation. And James says to Mark, like, did that help you? And he was like, well, not really, actually. I was quite embarrassed. And then I got angry. I actually never went to that Bible study again and no one ever called me to see how I was going. So James, just have a think about that for a bit, Mark. You know, So when someone used the same approach you're thinking about doing, it hurt you and it made you turn away. He's like, yep, I, I kind of get your point. And, and so James said, how about we look at Scripture and this particular passage that we're going to look at today from Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 12. And it starts with these words. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Do not judge. That's going to be the key theme of what we're thinking about today. And uh, there's kind of a difference between assessment and judgment because we're constantly uh, looking at our world around us and we're assessing, you know, what's a good decision, what's a bad decision. Um, you know, parents that are here, you're, you're kind of assessing the behavior of your children and modifying and, and disciplining as needed. Maybe a teacher with the exams or assignments, um, you're assessing kids, where are they up to? What, more, what are the gaps I need to fill in my teaching? Um, what's the, what are they missing in their understanding? We get evaluated at our workplace, workplace reviews, all that kind of stuff. But judging, and in this context, judging is more about evaluating others and often in a negative kind of way and sort of standing away from them, kind of in the essence of kind of condemning them. You're like this. You shouldn't be like this. So judging becomes a bit of like a, a contact sport. You know, it's like competition that can hurt um, you know, we think about judgment in general. Do we always think of it as a negative? Well, we know that God is a judge. He's going to be judging, but he is wholly true in his judgments. He brings justice and mercy together. God is a righteous judge. A challenge with us judging is we don't judge perfectly or completely righteously. So our, we, uh, it's about being cautious in the assessments that we make. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more as we go. But think about, do you like being judged? Think about that for a moment. That's a, that's a good probably indicator of whether we should judge. None of us like to be judged. Now, correction can bring new life, but judging often pushes us away becomes a them and us kind of situation. You know, if you've had a conversation, I've had many, um, when people were thinking about the, the church, you know, just generally, the church is judgmental. We've had those conversations. And I would say, in many senses, yes. Other times, perhaps no. I've even had some people say, uh, they're kind of self-judging. Even before, so did someone else say something about you doing something? And they're like, no, but I know that's what they would think about me. I've heard that plenty of times. So we're very cautious about judgment. But how are we 
you know, when you think about today, how are we in judging others? Two reasons we judge. One, to fix people. Secondly, to make ourselves feel better. If we, the challenge with judging is often doesn't work because it can be loveless, you know, it kind of turns off the flow of a heart of love. It can force us into shortcuts. We kind of, we want to force people to recognize their error. Well, they often feel attacked when that happens. You know, it's not about them acknowledging the problem. We're just like, you must see this now. It can be about deconstruction. Without constructing, we want to pull them down, but we're not necessarily willing to help them build back up. And the challenge with judging is often we can be wrong. You know, we can't fully judge enough to have walked a mile in their shoes, perhaps. We have limited insight. We don't know how they're feeling, what has happened to them in the past. We have limited information. And often we judge to feel better about ourselves, knocking someone else down if we aren't feeling that good ourselves. But as uh, this verse says, do not judge or you too will be judged, it goes on to say, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You're like, whoa, I might think second about that happening to me. You know, if I am prepared to say that to them, would I be willing to have someone say that to me? If you've played sport, uh, I'm involved in hockey locally, and you sometimes pick up those that um, are umpires, you know, to adjudicate the game. You know, it's always struggling for umpires because people know that this is the reality. How you umpire is how you're going to be umpired. You know, you experience it coming back at you. And some of the, I've noticed some of the most aggressive players are umpires, um, but that's all right. It's, it's something how we um, process that. But, you know, and this is next part of this scripture about self-awareness. Awareness. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The picture's fairly clear, isn't it? Um, look at that beautiful illustration up there. Uh, getting the order right. Getting... What's going on in you, looking at what's going on in you first, then others, seeking to see clearly. You've heard people that have been around GBC for a while, they would have heard me say this a few times. Uh, we often judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions, what we can see going on, but ourselves by our intentions. I meant to do it. I know I didn't, but I meant to do it. So it was of good intention. You know, when we remove the plank from our eye, we get to see things as they truly are. And if the plank is do not judge, as in, it's a very 
direct thing to say, isn't it? Do not judge. It's not like sometimes judge. It's do not judge. Perhaps that is the plank to remove, that actually we judge. The next verse, it's a little bit hard to handle. I don't know, um, I've thrashed this around all week, listened to different people on it, um, what they've thought about it. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, the challenge with this little section of Scripture from 1 to 12 is that um, some people see them as little independent parts. Others bring them all together. So if we put this in the context of what has already been said about do not judge and how it be measured to us, what it might be talking about here. You know, I shared that story about James and Mark. And Mark wanting to confront another person. But remember how he felt when someone confronted him about his nightclubbing. It was like someone was offering him pearls. You know, this is a good thing you need to know. But he couldn't receive it. Like, it just, it just wasn't connecting for him it wasn't nourishing you know pearls aren't nourishing to pigs you know you give them to him like you see that guy he's happy sort of just chewing at it but the other ones is like what is this this is not going to be helpful for me um it's got that kind of picture to it you know our good stuff our judgment that we want people to be very aware of is it really what they need Now, to give pearls to pigs is not satisfying. It doesn't give them the nutrients they need. You know, when we've approached someone, maybe you've done this, you like, I've judged them, I've let them know, and actually I got it back with interest. <laughs> they were pretty angry about it. They might turn and tear you to pieces. It's the difference between challenging someone and judging them. One stands apart and says, take that. Another one stands together with them. And so I want to look at this wider scripture. As we look at verse 7 to 12, once again that question, does it fit together with what has already been said? The words of the passage actually aren't too hard to understand themselves. It's not technical language, but it is a question of how do they all stitch together? Is this new teaching in verses 7 to 12 or is it connected? So if what we've covered so far, from verse 1 to 6, let's think about that in the terms of what not to do. Do not judge, and there's different ways of that being expressed. That we need to be aware of the, um, of the risk to yourself, if it's going to come back at you. Or perhaps our own issues, which stop us seeing things clearly. And the potential reaction... If you do, uh, sorry, you will get, if you're not wise, with how you point people towards a good and beautiful life. So this sec second section is more pivoting towards what to do in regards to judging. Verse 12 says this, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up. The law and the prophets. Sounds pretty similar to the, the first verse, doesn't it? Do not judge or you'll be judged. 
It's kind of the flip of that. If you don't want to be judged, don't judge. What you would want to receive, you know, this is often referred to as the golden rule. Where it says, so in everything, if you go back to the Greek, it's got the therefore, therefore in everything. Now, the question when you see a therefore in Scripture is, why is the therefore, therefore? If I can say that right. So it must be connected to what is before. It doesn't just stand by itself. So what is it connected to? This scripture. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Often we might think about these in the terms of salvation, coming to Jesus, you know, seeking after him, asking for his help in your life. And it doesn't mean that this couldn't relate to that. But if we're thinking about all the things that have already been said around this passage, there's some real help about how we might go about talking to our friends and our family, people that uh, trust us about sin or things that are going in the wrong direction in life. So ask. What does it look like to ask God about the situation that you face? You observe something has happened, like Mark did with his friend who wasn't treating his girlfriend correctly. You observe it, you you assess that, but you check your own heart, you take that to God to prayer. You say, where's my heart at with this? Where's my practice in this issue? And you ask God, how do I want to bring this challenge in a way that they would find they could accept it, they could engage it, they could think it through? This is asking him. And what does he say? If we ask, it will be given to you. Seek and knock. You know, it gives that idea of persisting in that prayer with or on behalf of our friend. It's not often a quick fix. He goes on with these words. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Yeah, there's, there's this comparison between our capacity to give good gifts, and we want to. Parents want to give good gifts to their children. The Father in heaven will want to do far more than that. So what do we do? How do we treat others? We bring challenge or correction. We do it alongside the gift-giving God. He has alternatives rather than just telling them like it is. He's got other things to change in their heart, situations to move in their life. I'm going to finish uh, with this story. It's picking up from James and Mark's conversation. You know, Mark looked at Scripture with James, and he was kind of ready to march in and give 
uh, he spent a piece of his mind about how they treated their girlfriend. But as he was looking at this scripture, he saw there must be a different way. And so he asked, you know, what do I do? So James encouraged him, spend a week praying for your friend. Not about how to fix the situation, just pray for your friend, for their well-being and their relationship with God. Then what? Well, let's meet again, let's chat about it. Uh, But what about my list? What about my confrontation? Well, just put that aside for a moment. Just pray. Next week they got together and uh, he could see a difference in Mark in the way he was carrying himself. He wasn't agitated. He was actually quite peaceful. And he'd done what James had encouraged him to, to pray. It's it's changed everything. I actually feel compassion for the guy. You know, my need to attack is nearly all gone. Still, I feel like I want to address this issue. It's not just... You know, hide it away, it doesn't exist. What should I do next? James encourage you, you know, remember the, the Jesus way, and he's like, okay, yep, ask first. I think I know what to do. I met again two weeks later, and Mark spoke with his friend. He, had a po- he went with a posture of support for his friend. His friend opened up about his abusive and distant father, and he feared repeating his father's pattern. You know, and he was starting to do that with his girlfriend. You know, he was just replicating what he had seen done before him. He thanked Mark for letting him open up. Because Mark, you know, he had come with, I want to serve you. I want to help you move forward out of this situation. I'm not here to condemn, to judge you. I'm here to say, you know, I've asked the Heavenly Father for something to happen in you, I'm seeking out more of what he's got for you. And he said, I'm so glad that I followed Jesus' approach rather than mine. If I'd given him the list, it would have backfired. You know, I never knew he this thing about his dad. And I understand him and his struggle a lot more. You know, not all the situations that we come to like this will work out that well. Some people will be unwilling to change. And even as we read these words, do not judge, and as I've been preparing for it, I was like, I'm still trying to work out all the ways I can still judge. I don't know if it comes to you that way. You know, but this, but that, but this. Making kind of excuses in our own mind about what uh, validates my approach to do things that way. Do not judge is the clear expression of Jesus. We have to wrestle with it. It's basically an everyday thing in our society. So I want to encourage you this week to watch out in your own thoughts and actions towards others. Do you find yourself being judgmental? Or are you there to build them up, to see them go forward in a different way? And you're with them in that, not sort of just throwing an accusation from a distance and condemning them, but you come close and you share with them something about the good and beautiful life that Jesus has for us. You know, imagine turning the tide, even in our community, when people talk about Geraldton Baptist Church as being a church which is not judgmental.
that the people would actively say that in community. They're like, church is judgmental. Oh, but not those guys there because they know someone that has acted towards them in the way that Jesus has encouraged us to do. Let's pray. Lord God, as we think about how we relate to other people, we often set ourselves away from them. We make judgments about who they are, what they do. Lord, may we not be a people that condemn. But we're like Jesus in John 3.17 said, I didn't come to condemn but to save. That we are looking for ways that you want to invite us into being part of the solution. Lord, there's, there's a lot of stuff in here about how to actually do this and to unpack this in every situation that we might face. So Lord, as we're remembering before, by your Spirit, would you bring the nuance, the, the vital bits of information when we come to ask you about the situation that we face, that we can be confident that you'll give what we need when we seek and knock and be persistent. You have good gifts to give both us and the people that we care about. Lord, where we need to turn, where we need to repent of things that have been done, to say an apology to someone in the way that we've been harsh with them, would you help us to be courageous to do that this week? That we might find new ways out of old patterns to live in this good and beautiful life that Jesus has set before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Glad to pray with any of you after the service in relation to this. And we invite the team to come forward as we finish our service today. And we're going to sing the song, Lord, I Need You. Um, because maybe he's brought something to mind, a situation that you need to face this week. You might have expressed judgment or you're feeling judged and you need to um, come to a peace with that, maybe take an action. So as we sing this song, maybe kind of let it pour over those things that you're thinking about. Let's sing together. Please stand.